Thanks, Catherine. A few names in there, wasn't there? Let me pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you that we can open it this afternoon. And thank you that as we do, we trust that you speak to us. And Lord, please would you help us to listen and hear exactly what you have to say to us this afternoon. Amen. Uh, I wonder what's been your favourite drama, episode drama, over the last couple of years, watching on TV, maybe on the iPlayer, Netflix. Um, There's been some good ones, hasn't there, especially through COVID. Um, The capture on Doctrine CCTV footage, I know a few have been watching that recently. Vigil, the submarine drama going back a few years. Line of Duty, Bloodlands, or maybe something a bit like Drive to Survive. All or Nothing, maybe even something with a bit more to it than what I've been watching. Maybe you've tuned back into some old classics, something like Prison Break or 24. All very different dramas, but all have something in common. That first minute of the episode where you get the recap and you get the line across the screen previously... On 24. It carefully pulls together all the detail of all that happened in the previous episode so that you're in the best place possible to understand, enjoy, and appreciate what's about to come. Well, the first 17 verses of the New Testament of the book of Matthew that we read this afternoon, they remind us of stories that were accounted through the book of the Old Testament. Now, for us, maybe they weren't the most thrilling this afternoon. In fact, isn't isn't that one of the most boring introductions you could read? If you don't get it, I don't know about you, but a list of names like that to me, I very quickly zone out. It doesn't really mean much on first reading. And maybe this afternoon you're reading this for the first time. It doesn't exactly whet the appetite for the rest of the book, does it? doesn't grab your attention and think, oh, I really want to get into the rest of the book of Matthew. It's just a long list of names that, that doesn't really mean much to us. Well, I wonder, anyone in the room done their family tree? Go on, just give us a show of hands. Who's done their family tree? I know a few of you. Yeah, okay. And um, how many generations have you gone back? Any, anyone willing to call out? Four. Four? Any more than Four. No, a few more. Okay, that's okay. Um, my um, father-in-law is quite the genealogist. Um, I've shown very little interest in that for some time. Uh, but in the last two weeks, I've happened to have developed quite an interest and had some conversation with Brian about Elise's family tree. Uh, he sent it to me this week in the form of a fan chart, .pdf. I'm reliably informed. That's a common method of presenting family trees. Here it is on the screen. Oh, we might have missed it. It might not be coming up. I might have to show you later. Oh, dear. Um, He, anyway, is quite the genealogist. Um, So I've shown a bit of interest. I've had a little look. And actually, I found it quite enjoyable at times. I could give you lots of funny names uh, that go right back to the 14th century. One of my favourites was Jehan Betchely Pure born 1580. But without doubt, the favourite moment of my week looking at this family tree was finding seven augurs 
uh, in Elise's family tree. Seven augers, and so immediately I got in touch with Greg and Catherine, trying to work out if they could, we, there could be any link. But I'm reliably informed by Greg, who of course has done some genealogy himself, uh, that that's French augers, and Greg's are not French augers. My favourite auger, anyway, in Elise's family tree was Blaise Alexander Frucidor Auger, born in 1794. What a hero. But what's the point in a family tree? Why do people go back the 14 generations that Brian has gone back quite impressively? I guess people find it so interesting because they can ground these people in real history. You can go and visit their graves. You can work out your ancestry, see what it is, where your family has come from. I could go and visit some of those graves all over the world. It's Elise's heritage. It tells me about where she's come from. So as we join this first bit in Matthew, this family tree, it grounds Jesus in real history. This is the historical king. There is a real list of real people in real history. We can read accounts of their lives through the Old Testament. And it's a real record of the heritage of the arrival of Jesus. In fact, the first few words literally mean this is the genealogy. They, they literally translate as book of Genesis. That they, They're to remind us of how the Bible started, how it all points in this direction. This is the beginning of an account of a real man who came in real space and time. And that means as we engage with this account, we can have real confidence. Because it's true. It really happened. It is real history. But importantly, he's not just found in any old family line. His heritage is rich. And actually that tells us something about him. It's not just history. It's a rich history. You see the list of names. Just have a look back down. It's carefully arranged. Did you see that as you read through the paragraphs? Just like the 14 generations in Elise's family tree, there's three sets of 14. The effect of the division into three sets of 14 is to highlight the two turning points in the time of David and the exile. It's the beginning and the end of the united monarchy of Israel. That was just a glimpse of God's people under God's king. But it wasn't perfect. And it didn't last. Jesus' family tree, it's grounded in two big promises that God made to his people. Do you see that in the first sentence? Just have a look at verse 1. Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. The word son, it clearly means descendant of rather than birth child. The point Matthew's making is that the promises that God made to these two key figures, Abraham and David, well, these promises would come to fulfilment in this man, the Messiah. Is God's big promise to Abraham. This is what it says in Genesis. I will surely bless you 
and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies, and through your offspring all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. See, God promises that through a son of Abraham all the world would be blessed. Here's God's big promise to David in 2 Samuel 7. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. This is what the prophet Isaiah wrote. Then a throne will be established in steadfast love, and on it will sit in faithfulness in the tent of David, one who judges and seeks justice and is swift to do righteousness. Do you see, God's promise is that through a son of David, a king will reign on the throne forever and he will judge with justice and righteousness. And so as we look at these names, we could follow all the ups and downs of the accounts of this family line, but what we'd see very clearly is that God's people have been desperate in desperate need of the perfect king. So the people would have been on the lookout, waiting. When will this king arrive? But you see the the second break between verse 11 and 12. That represents the division of the united monarchy. And so God's people don't have one united land or one king, but the royal line... Beyond that point, after verse 12, it continues. Even though there's not God's people in God's place with God's king, the royal line continues. And you see, we get to this historic moment right at the end of all of those names. This historic moment is historic because it really happened. We can trace it. We can find the accounts. We can see it really happened. But it's historic as well because this is a momentous occasion. This genealogy, it shows us that this man, Jesus, is long-awaited. This is the long-awaited saviour. But if you just have a look a bit closer at, at this family tree, actually, there's a few issues with it. If I were to pull up my family tree... For you, I haven't quite gone as far as Brian with 14 generations. Um, But if I were to pull up my family tree, I'd be very keen to tell you some stories. Some stories of some heroes in my family. But I'm sure it wouldn't take long before there'd be a few shady characters. A few families I'd rather just skip over. A few people I'd rather not mention. I want to hide away any questionable figures. Well... Remember this line is meant to be a royal line of nobility that builds towards the king, but really it's not that impressive. The first thing that stands out is the four foreign women. It's not in keeping with the flow of the genealogy. It's not a customary to what they would have done at the time. Really, it sticks out. Tamar and Ruth, they were both foreigners. They were rejected because of it. We've recently looked at Joshua. We've seen Rahab's story. She was an immoral woman. Even as she tried to cling to God, she could never be held up as a moral example. 
and yet God showed grace to her. Actually, as you track through, there's not much nobility or anything royal about these people. The fourth woman, do you see her? The fourth woman, she's not even mentioned by name. She's simply called Uriah's wife. You might know her story from the song Hallelujah from Shrek. That's what we talked about in the office this week. Dependent on what generation you come from, you might say that's a song by Alexandra Burke, Jeff Buckley, or Leonard Cohen. The song Hallelujah, the words, Your faith was strong when you needed proof. You saw her bathing on the roof. Her beauty in the moonlight overthrew you. That's talking about David, this key figure to whom massive promises were made, who saw Bathsheba, Uriah's wife, bathing on the roof, someone else's wife, and yet he saw, he wanted, he took, and he covered up. He committed adultery with her. He had Uriah put out on the front line of combat and killed. See, David was flawed too. And actually we know that Abraham didn't always trust God at his word either. Though he was promised children, when he and his wife were struggling, he didn't listen to the clear promise that God made to him. He took matters into his own hand. See, as we look down this list of individuals, it makes plain the need for a solution. The reason that the list is so long is because at every level of the family line, even the best instalments in the royal line were deeply flawed. Jesus' family tree is filled with people just like you, just like me. It's filled with people in desperate need of a saviour because they're the ones that he came to save. The line continues because they're still waiting for this long-promised king. It's crying out for fulfilment. If you've read the Jesus Storybook Bible, I'd really recommend it. It's a, a children's storybook Bible I know a lot of you use. And um, at the end of each story, it just has a few lines linking it into this long-promised saviour, Jesus. Um, this is the end of Joshua, which we've read recently. One day, God would give his people another leader and another home, but this one no one could take away. The last few weeks, as I've read this to Jacob and Reuben, without fail, at that moment, at the end of the story, Jacob, our eldest, he's four, you might have seen him running around, he chirps up with, Daddy, can we read the one about another leader and another home? And it's genius. And it's genius because that's precisely the kind of anticipation you're meant to read Matthew chapter 1 with. Desperate to read on, to see another leader in another home. Can we read the one about the historical king, the long-awaited saviour? That's precisely the kind of anticipation that, that Matthew encapsulates as he talks about all that's gone before. In verse 1, it's like a headline for us. This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Our world 
has been crying out for him to come and save his people. We as human beings have been unable to live up to God's perfect standard, but we've been in desperate need of this man, Jesus. And actually today, we're no different. In and of ourselves, we're no more capable than anyone, any name on that family tree to live God's way. And so to us, this afternoon, Matthew says, here's the Messiah, the promised rescuing king that you so desperately need. You know when you get the recap from the whole series before the final episode? It's often a bit longer, but it's clever. It pulls together all the moments through the whole series and it just helps you to, again, appreciate, understand, see how the last episode is going to unfold. It's carefully calculated. Every word and every picture points towards the resolution. It picks out all the carefully interweaved details that points to... Who did it? Or what happened all along? A bit like that, Matthew's introduction is very carefully measured for us. Primarily, it would have been for the Jews reading this, but we can so helpfully understand it as we read what's gone on in the Old Testament too. These words would have had great significance, all to point to Jesus, the long-promised historical king, the one who would sit on the throne eternally, the one whom all people will be blessed through, the Saviour, where all before had failed. The question for us, is this Christmas, are you approaching Jesus as the historical man that you can have absolute certainty in? This Christmas, are you approaching Jesus as the only one who can rescue mankind, and so the only one who can rescue you, and so the only one who can rescue the ones that you love. He is exactly what we need this Christmas. Not just the family conflict resolution, not just a bit of break from work, not just some extra cash in light of what's going on in our world, not just things that are are really important and really heavy on us at the moment. What we need is the Lord Jesus. Will you recognise that this Christmas? But if verses 1 to 17 give us the historical background to the arrival of the Lord Jesus, verse 18 to 25 give us the immediate context of what's happening. And there's a few issues for Joseph. I wonder if you picked them. Not particularly comfortable for Joseph at first, was it? The first is pointing out the very obvious. For Joseph, this news is pretty hard to take. Look at verse 18. Before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. And probably without fail, every one of us is instinct is to go, yeah, okay, Mary. Yeah, conceived of the Holy Spirit, sure. Can you imagine Joseph receiving that news? Not slept together? Conceived by the Holy Spirit? That's hard to take. But look at verse 19, though. He didn't want to publicly disgrace her, so he had in mind to divorce her quietly, but 
Look at the instruction Joseph's given in verse 20. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. So the big question, why a virgin birth? Well, look at verse 22. Just have a read of verse 22. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Here's why the virgin birth matters. It happened as promised. This is what is quoting from Isaiah chapter 7. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will, give, will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. See, it fulfills the prophecy God gave to his people. This is the long-awaited king. This is the clear sign that God has given. 700 years before Joseph, son of David, found out that his virgin wife was expecting a baby. The prophet Isaiah recorded the details of how the long-promised king would arrive. A virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. This will be a sign to you. Do you see? God is doing exactly as he promised. We can have absolute confidence. This is the historical king arriving just as promised. But why did he have to come in this way? Well, the problem of sin... It had to be dealt with. We've seen that in the family line. The virgin birth is essential because it means Jesus, he didn't inherit the the nature, the depravity that had stayed with that line of Adam. Jesus, he was made like us in every way, except he did not sin. He is fully man. He is fully God. The long list in the genealogy, it represents people after people after people, just like we said, just like us, who cannot save the human race. People who pass on their nature of sin to one another. People like you and me that are fully flawed in our humanity. People in desperate need of saving. But Jesus, Jesus was made like us in every way except sin. And that's why you see the second slightly uncomfortable thing Joseph has to deal with. As well as a pregnant fiancé he's never slept with. He can't even name his own child. Did you see that? He's got no choice in the matter. Look at verse 21. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. Because he will save his people from their sins. You see, just as God promised... He has made a way for his people's sin to be dealt with finally. This is the king arriving as promised. We know him because he has made himself known to us. And he can save us because Jesus is like us in every way except for our sin. And so in the next month, as we approach Christmas as we spend time looking at the accounts of Jesus' life, we can rejoice. Because God has made a way for you to come back to him. God 
has made a way for you to come back to him. That is what has happened as Jesus arrives. Have you recognised Jesus? King Jesus for who he really is? This Christmas, will you celebrate? Will you celebrate what he has done for you? Will Jesus be right at the centre of your Christmas? Because this long-promised king has arrived in real space and time. He has come to save us. And so we can celebrate with real joy. And that is what we will do at Town Church this Christmas. So let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the joy of the arrival of this Lord Jesus, the long-promised King. Please would you help us to recognise him, respond to him, and celebrate him this Christmas. Amen. Well, we're going to sing together as we celebrate.